This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, the libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I am, this is actually my second to last show before uh, football season. Next week is my last show before football. But I have some tremendous help here in my producer, Brad Binkley. Hey, Brad, are you going to help me produce some content in the off season for people to get to on my website? Absolutely. We're going to do some podcasts and uh, a lot of cool stuff. All right, that's good, because I have absolutely no technical ability, which is why I literally go radio silent when I get preempted for football. But you have actually already put my last podcast on YouTube, which I know people have wanted for a long time. So I have to say thank you to that. Is that going to keep happening? Yes, of course. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, uh... So, Brad, do you? We're, what, this is what we're talking about. I want you to tee up a couple of tweets. Let me reset. Tell people what the conversation is about. I have been. I've been actually alerted to the the changing nature of the police in this country for several years, and my, I my. I have a lot of. I always say this. My half of my family is like. Uh, motorcycling scoff laws and the other half of my family uh is has a lot of new york city police and fire uh people in there and when i talk to the new york cops who i know their experience is i mean they are in the depths like the underbelly of new york is about as rough an underbelly as you can get in this country so within the context of what they're doing, I understand why things get rough. But as a libertarian, I also can't help but observe that a lot of that stuff comes from these black markets, these uh, subcultures that arise around vice like prostitution, the drug war, gambling. This stuff is all uh, illegal. And because it's illegal, they can't. The people in those businesses can't use the government, the courts, the police to enforce contracts, to right wrongs. They can't. So they take matters into their own hands and it gets really ugly and it's dangerous for the police. I understand that. But there, but it, you can't deny there's a bigger picture transformation taking place, which was marked by a transference of a lot of military equipment to police forces that was considered surplus after the wars. This, as this started making the news, uh, it got crowded out by the Trayvon Martin Zimmerman case, which launched what is now the focus of uh, any kind of police reform that's needed. It's become that uh, the focus has been racial. Now, this is not a new thing that there's been a, a racial issues with disproportionate policing for decades. So I smell a rat that I feel like it's a diversion to divide us rather than unify us and, and and soberly reflect on if we want to march towards a police state. But I think there's another element to what's going on. The flip side of the Black Lives Matter movement is all the cops getting shot. And it's like, it's so... You, know, you have one story and then the other, one story and then the other. They alternate. It's almost on a weekly basis. It's it's predictable. And when anything, ever anything's predictable, it seems to me an agenda item. 
You can't really trust all the stories, all the details, but you can definitely identify the agenda item. And part of the agenda, in my opinion, in my observation, is that if if it is to disconnect the police from the community. So uh, I've got a lot of tweets, but I also had on hold. Brad, why don't you give me a couple of tweets? Do you have anything that um, that speaks to that, that the cops are being driven away from us through these what what the media theme seems to be right now yeah there's a great one from uh jenny 811 she says when the people are made to hate and distrust police and the military it makes it easier for cops and the militia to turn on us yes yes and and also when the police feel that they're under attack from the community then they they I think are are going to feel like they're them, not us, which they're supposed to be the us and the us versus them. And then you could even just physically put them in riot gear, put them in the military. There's a lot of uh, importance in that. There's psychological right. meaning in that. It disconnects people. You're a big propaganda. You have that propaganda fetish. You yeah, know yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that it's image. Like, right? It's like that, Jack Bauer just lined up against you. <laughs> yeah, you yes. Know. And you feel dis- you don't feel like they're your people, exactly. and they look different. This whole uniform is a symbol of, of authoritarian to, uh, to the people who are looking at it. Yes, uniforms, and then as you get more military, those uniforms are going to be more intimidating and more disconnecting from the people. Okay, so I had before the break, I had a call from Frank, who is a retired policeman and also retired uh, or former military, and he was giving us some insights, but I had to cut to a break. So I want to get back to Frank. Frank, you are on the air again with Monica. Uh, thank you very much for holding. Yes, ma'am, I'm here. Okay, so you were talking about, you uh, identified a group called Oath Keepers, which I've mentioned on the air before, which I believe is yeah. military, police, first responders, who yes. are kind of vowed to uphold the Constitution in That's the face correct. of orders to the contrary, right? That's exactly correct. And don't, but don't, do you see in what's happening right now an undermining of that feeling you were talking about earlier where the police feel like they are part of the community? Oh, you identified something. You said the young ones are where you're worried. And I agree with that. I think that speaks to this disconnection. So if you had guys who were trained in the military and then come back and be police, or they've been raised in this culture where we are disconnected from an understanding of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, this generation may be more than ever before. Or if you have kind of a centralized police force, people from other regions of the country, maybe from other countries coming into your community, again, you would have less of a feeling of community. Does that worry you? Um. Yes, it does, and and part of that is uh, public schools um, don't teach history anymore. They don't teach civics uh, like they did when I was in, in class. The, the the thing that that makes me relax a little bit about this is even the young ones that come in that don't have this knowledge, um, they are taken under the, the wings of the older officers. I've done this myself with uh, with twenty year olds who are. Or new police officers and remind them um, that their allegiance is not to the department. Their allegiance is to the Constitution of the United States. Their allegiance is to the community they serve and that we are a, a nation of laws. But when the government breaks laws, then, then the government is subject to punishment too. And my, I can only speak for the departments that I have worked for, but I'm going to tell you, police are so simple. You can, you can take a police officer in Oregon 
and you can take a police officer in Georgia because the jobs are so similar, and and they're they're very similar in the in the way they think of things. And I don't know any police officer who views the public as their enemy. The only person that's my enemy is a person who is resisting a legal arrest. And I want to qualify. There are illegal arrests and there are legal uh, arrests. A, A person has the authority to resist an illegal arrest, but you better be right. You better be right when you resist. But how does that affect... See, there's one area that people point to uh, that there are so many bad laws. So if you if you, if you you think of all the laws that have actually been passed yes. and there are bad ones right. that you're there. enforcing, how do you deal with that? That sets up a conflict. Okay. I'll just remind folks that police officers don't make laws. All we all we can do is we respond to a call for service. Okay, so here's the problem, Frank. You have to uh, let me get this in. That if if the laws are bad and the police will enforce the laws, it's going to muddy the waters as to what who's on the side of the Constitution, and that in itself can escalate. And once it escalates, both sides would be in a position of feeling like they're actually physically defending their own person. Uh, I mean, I just think uh, that's the problem. I understand, but I, I, I just want to reiterate that on the, the when the officer is trying to do his job, and if if it is a bad law, the place, the time and place to decide all that is not on the side of the road; it's in the courtroom. Yes, I I do agree with that, and that is going to and launch that, me into sorry, Frank. That I want to. Uh, Take that opportunity to introduce. I'm going to keep taking calls. Thank you so much for hanging on, Frank. Um, to introduce the topic of how do you do that? Because with like Obamacare, I protested. It was clear that the constituency didn't want it. Representatives knew they were going to get voted out of office, but we were ignored. And then you also have the local legislature that does stuff completely under the radar. There, I agree, though. I agree with you, and I have begun to realize that we have to actually spend real time in the local legislature. I want to talk about at some point in the show, I'm going to keep taking calls, maybe the 5 o'clock hour, Operation Plugged In in Brookhaven. That's a local initiative that is totally under the radar, uh, and I think it increases the surveillance state. It's a slippery slope, and we should look at that. So I agree that's where to start. Let's keep let's uh, keep on this subject. I'm going to HB in Atlanta. Hi, HB, you're on with Monica. Monica, in response to the previous caller about the military. I think that the Second Amendment was put to rest in 1865. It basically says that the people do not have the military power to resist the federal government. Because that's what happened? Yeah, uh, that's what happened. Right. I mean, the South wanted to succeed. They were tired of what they considered to be a tyrannical government, and they did not have the military force to resist it. I feel like they didn't even have to rely on the Second Amendment, but just states' rights, which did get abolished. And that, I mean, Al Sharpton is saying that states' rights are the enemy. And when you you confuse these issues with race, it becomes like a, a hot topic that it's hard to talk about. But I agree, the the pushback is 
things like states' rights. They had conventions like that where they would be like, we want to secede, and it was considered totally within the rule of law. You didn't have to resort to the Second Amendment to have that kind of recourse. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying is that even while there were judges who said they had the constitutional right to succeed, if you, and, and I do, believe that the Second Amendment was to resist a tyrannical government, it has basically been proven that we cannot. Right. Okay. So what they actually did was they fought it. They they uh, should have won the right, and they were just um, steamrolled anyway. So I I can see that I hadn't thought about that. That it's been that it's been proven for a long time, and and just it, it seems obvious to me that 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 the Second Amendment is not going to be the way. To stop them, if only because the propaganda is so strong, it's it divides us up so that we don't have this unified will to resist in a last resort. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 60% chance of showers tomorrow, high of 88 forecast. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we're talking about what it would take uh, if if things got desperate and we had no recourse. Because I really feel like the First Amendment's under fire. They all are. Uh, is the Second Amendment really a viable uh, defense? Let me know what you think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to Richard and Ackworth. Richard, you're on with Monica. You know, um... I can't remember the exact quote, unfortunately. Do you remember Ronald Reagan said we were one generation away? I don't uh, remember are, that. Yeah, he said we were one. I, I forget where they were said away from democracy or a way of life or whatever it was. But, you know, here we are just a little bit more than a generation away from his very time. And I don't think he was speaking specifically to a generation away from when he said it, but how true it came to be. Because if you look at a lot of the millennials and a lot of the people who are coming of age now, you know, they don't think there's anything wrong with a Bernie Sanders-type government. But our, want, our, A lot of them want it. And the, the police state is part of that. I mean, you look at every socialist or communist yeah. country, the police state is a huge part of it. They, I don't think they'd have a problem with it. Here's the thing. I feel like historically, you've always had this, uh, the bread and circuses. They hand stuff out but they crack down, all that kind of stuff. And I would say maybe we're always one generation away. Those kids these days, you know, in my time, maybe we're always one generation away. However, the thing that worries me right now more than ever is this uh, amazing technology they have that you have, uh, you know, unmanned drones, then uh, you have complete surveillance. It's, It's too much. Yeah, you can put up a little device about the size of a quarter and watch what goes on inside of anywhere. It doesn't matter where yes. you could put it up anywhere, and no one would necessarily even have to know you'd have it up, but you could watch it wirelessly from, you know, another country even if you wanted to. Well, that that's the thing, is that I feel like we're in a unique position now where uh, we never were before, where that... Uh, I always I feel like we were just always in this process of kicking the can down the road or fighting for our mm-hmm. liberty every generation for a thousand years. But now I feel like it, it may be if they have total control over what we say, you know, if they can if they can uh, get if they can retrieve our personal communications without warrants or due process. How do you fight that? 
Yeah, how, how do you fight the, 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 I guess, the process, the thought process of a lot of people now? You know, they hear, they hear the government say something, and they just take it at face value. Well, that's got to be the way it is. Well, that, I believe, is a function of a deliberate, what Charlotte Eiserbite calls the deliberate dumbing down of America, where the, and, and this goes to all of, of this idea that if they disconnect the next generation, and I think it might just be this generation, from a true understanding of the American experiment, then then the experiment is over. Uh, Mike, hang on. He wants to talk about uh, if the military were to engage civilians. I know it's a dark topic, but it's interesting. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And a big Libertarian issue, it's liberty. It's liberty and justice for all. And two big threats to that are the police state and the surveillance state. The surveillance state uh, and all that that implies takes away the First Amendment. And the police state neuters the Second Amendment. And those are the tools that we have to defend against tyrannical government. If you if you read them, that's what they are in order. So you have to be careful when the police state gets too powerful, the surveillance state, you have to watch out for it. Yet there is this, this uh, president's task force on 21st century policing. The executive director of that sent out a letter, which I read a quote from earlier, saying basically that the uh that the united states is unique actually says it's unique in having uh, that our police force isn't centralized it isn't federally controlled it's locally controlled it's not unique in that way other countries have that and he said it's the biggest barrier to us having uh standard ethical practices across police forces he obviously prefers that the Policing is centralized, and that makes sense because he works for the Department of Justice, which is where it would be centralized. But we're, we've had this discussion of whether the police or the military would actually turn on the people if there were a legitimate uprising. And I think since they have the control of the propaganda state, it would be impossible to really know if there was a legitimate uprising. The police, the military, even if they uh, were, did want to prefer, did want to uh die for the constitution they couldn't they it would be unclear about the issues if people are violating laws that have been passed but they're bad laws yes we're supposed to fight that at the legislature but we can't always do that look at obamacare the every single branch of government subverted the will of the people with obamacare the congress the courts the executives uh, branch both parties there was no recourse there. Now, I'm not suggesting we take up arms, although I did protest in Washington three times. But this guy, Ronald Davis, who wrote wrote the report on 21st century policing for the Department of Justice, said uh, this, this quote, to separate the community from the policing system is akin to separating patients from the healthcare system or students from the education system. Indeed, even the best teacher cannot help a student who refuses to study. Listen to this. Nor can a doctor cure a patient who refuses to take prescribed medication or to follow doctor's orders. The same applies to policing. 
the relationship of a doctor and a patient who refuses to follow orders is not the community policing uh, aspiration that we have from having local government. That is not what we want from policing. That is not the relationship. He cited earlier a quote by Robert Peel, who started police, uh, who was the father of modern law enforcement, who said... uh, the police are only members of the public who are paid to give full-time attention to duties which are incumbent on every citizen in the interest of community welfare and existence. What that meant was back then, you could do, sit- and you, you probably still should, but citizen's arrest was okay. Everybody grabbed a bucket and put out fires. Everyone was responsible. We didn't even have standing police forces, according to a little tidbit I read on the History Channel for that. I don't know if that's a great source, but that's the first police force was put into place to capture escaped slaves, presumably because you couldn't get a posse up of regular people to catch a human being who was just running for freedom. That you, so the the idea of policing being uh, the relationship of a doctor to a patient is very wrong. It really is what Peel said, and he was probably full of it, <laughs> but he did say it to placate the people that uh, we were going to, uh, that they that the police were of the community in that same way. So I want to go to the calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I also want to take some tweets at Monica Perez Show. I, uh, I'm here in studio with my producer, Brad Binkley, who's going to help us with, uh, helps me with some research offline, but he's going to give me some tweets, so that way I get to be surprised, maybe give you an uh, authentic reaction. What do you got? All right. Glass uh, Glaciator says that police and military have turned on the people in the past. Kent State, for example. I'm not sure about that case. Are you? Yeah, you know what? I actually have a call. Uh, I see the screening that uh, someone wants to talk about Kent State. So let's go to oh. Kathy in Buford. Hey, Kathy. Uh, let me. Sorry, Mike. Just hold on a sec. Kathy, tell me what you got. You're on with Monica. Were you not alive during Kent State? Didn't you see it? I wasn't. The, the soldiers. I, I wasn't. U.S. Army soldiers, Marine Army, came out to Kent State and fired and killed. They fired on and killed students that were protesting. They didn't even, they had poster boards, and they were marching in protest. They weren't firing guns. No, I did read that. The only thing, I mean, I have read about it. I've heard of Kent State. I, I have. the only, My only hesitation was... That I remember, um, and this is not justification, in my opinion, but that they said that that they're they threw uh, meters, like parking meters, at the cops. I mean, I'm not saying that it, it justifies, but I don't I don't know the details of the story. Um, but yeah, it's not unprecedented to against M16s. Yeah. They threw right. a parking meter against them. No, M16s. right. I, I'm. So- I was just trying to get the story straight. Here's the thing that you hit on the actual problem. The First Amendment is the is supposed to be the number one uh, barrier against tyrannical government. And if you can't do it, that that's the peaceful way. The Second Amendment is the unpeaceful way. But I want to read the First Amendment so people understand it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, that just says religion, but think about that as philosophy, thought, um, viewpoint, that, that it, you, 
should be able to develop your own ideology in the peace and comfort of your own private mind. Uh, abridging the freedom of speech or the press. We absolutely, the press is uh, completely captive, totally captured by the government, in my opinion. Uh, freedom of speech. They have hate crimes, uh, crimes that are, are worse because of your thoughts and your speech. Watch lists that you can get if on. I don't like what you say, it's hate speech. If yeah, they don't and, like what you do, they'll call out a federalized army that has weapons that far outweigh your rocks and parking meters, and they will shoot you down, and you will die. And here's and the it will be forgotten. Here's the end of the amendment. Yes, it will be forgotten. It says the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. If you're going to meet those actions, those constitutionally protected activities with force, you're asking for the Second Amendment to be the thing that puts in place. And one, there was a law that was recently passed in D.C., or not that recently, because I know Dennis Kucinich signed off on it, and I couldn't believe it, that sets off, cordons off these, like, free press zones where you can't actually protest right up against certain areas of the government, especially if certain people are inside, because there's such uh, physical cowards up there. But, yeah, I think I, what I'm trying to identify here is that that we have these uh, we have these safeguards in the Bill of Rights, and we're I think they've been neutered. I, th- I I I I'm worried that it's too late. I want to know what we can do, and I and I have another quote I'm going to read I you in a minute. Know. But you finish up, Kathy. Yeah, that that's the problem. Is they're being undermined now, and we'll pay for it after the next election. I don't think Trump will be able to fix it. No, and I don't think he's going to get in. And and I do say this, that the protests, not only are genuine protests ineffective, like the Obamacare one, but they get these protest movements, these grassroots movements get hijacked. So even if you were going to uh, have a, a really widespread protest movement, these organizations get infiltrated pretty quickly. And and because of the power, there. this was a theme in the Milwaukee uprising, they've dubbed it, from last week, the power of social media. Well, they want you to think that's grassroots, but that ca- can be is a, an opportunity for high orchestration. Brad, isn't that your your area of expertise in seeing how that stuff, the mind is manipulated for the government policies? Well, yeah, they... I mean, the whole social media aspect of that was... I want to know if, if uh, Facebook and Twitter censored those things, because they've been censoring conservative posts, and there's all these hateful posts that called up a rally that led to fires and, and more death. I wonder yeah, if- it's, it's more like they curate those posts. Right. They put out there what they want um, so that they get the result they want. And you wouldn't think they would want the results of riots, but the the constant feedback mechanism of big media, big press confer- co- uh, coverage, is it, it exacerbates this stuff. Whereas if you want somebody to go away, treat them like Ron Paul was treated when he was running for president. <laughs> exactly. You just ignore them. It's, it's the old Who song. It's uh, ignore them better still. So I'm going to go to Mike. Thank you for holding on, Mike. Mike, you are on with Monica. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I'm a millennial. Uh, I'm also an active duty soldier. I uh, have been so for about nine years now. Uh, all of us are very well aware of the laws, such as the Posse Comitatus Act. Um, Which, for people who don't know, is that the military cannot be used against the citizens inside the borders here. Yes. Also, 
any of us that receive an order um, from any higher-ranking officer, we all ask ourselves three questions. If that order is illegal, immoral, or unethical, and anything uh, that's being talked about here would violate just about all three. Um, and I know I only speak for myself, but those sentiments are, at least for my fellow coworkers, uh, very well reflected within them. I want to go down a rabbit hole, though. Here's the thing. I see a lot of these uh, events being orchestrated so or manipulated, and that the ones that are really um, unclear as to what's right or wrong are the ones that get the most press. For example, the Bundy Ranch incident, they were on federal land. They had rights that are kind of hard for the layperson to understand, and it, it would not be crystal clear who was in the right. And And I almost fear that that's the kind of, that, that civil unrest of that nature might even be provoked. Like in the Hungarian Revolution and in Iraq in the 90s, there was civil unrest was provoked so that, uh, so that first movers, the most aggressive people would come out and, uh, and be mowed down. First, first and foremost. So that was a, a situation where I feel like they might deliberately set up a muddy situation so that you don't know what's right or wrong. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Such as if we were to put in some sort of peacekeeping capability and we are to be fired upon. Uh, well, I can tell you that I'm an American citizen and the American citizens are not my enemy. I would not fight them, uh, regardless of the situation. Uh, if it came down to that, I would take the uniform off. And it just it would violate my morals and my ethics. Well, I, I, I think a lot of people are in your camp, and I want to talk more about that uh, and, and how I feel like the powers that be are trying to undermine that exact sentiment. 800-WSB-TALK. At Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 85 degrees outside the studio and the sun is starting to peek through out there. It's looking sunny in the sky. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I am going to go straight to the calls. 800 WSB Talk. I'm also going to get to some tweets in the next hour at Monica Perez Show. I am going to Ray and Powder Springs. Hi, Ray. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Good show. Thanks. Thanks for you're holding. Getting a lot of, you're getting a good vers- uh, personal uh, mix of people calling in. I like that. Yeah, it, there's a lot of opinions, and I don't... Uh, for me, uh, I think there's a real question. Like, is the Second Amendment going to be effective? Would uh, the military or the police be on our side? My view is that the the question will be so muddied that the propaganda state will convince people that the resistance is really the enemy they their whole angle is to divide the population which is why our resistance to the militarization of the police got morphed into something divisive focusing it on race when really it could have been something uh unifying where we could have actually pushed back but now yes, we're just accelerating it God. yes monica yes dear yes dear <laughs> sorry ray am i ranting your turn you can rant really but hey, look, oh, that's when Clinton and Janet Reno were in office. All the folks uh, don't remember Waco, 
And a lot of people don't realize that back when Clinton and San Reno were in office, they uh, tried to get the military. What they did, they got a bunch of them that would uh, have had started a small force that would go against the citizens of the United States. But it got put down because it was just like well, people are balking now, right? Yeah. But uh, you talked a little earlier about... Um, Anyway, the civil they have civil laws now instead of federal uh, felony laws that will uh, quail a lot of the citizens also. What do you mean? People don't realize that they have uh, civil laws now that will put people in prison just as good as uh, felony laws, criminal laws. For what? But anyway, I appreciate oh. what you guys okay. are doing. You, you guys got better access to research than I do. So wait, what, what was the last thing? I missed it. Say it again. About the, they have a lot of civil commitment laws that people can be. Oh, uh, civil commitment laws. Oh, that's very interesting because I was wondering what the angle. I mean, I, I there are lots of possibilities that occurred to me, but there is clearly a uh, a move towards this mental uh, screening. They want more screening. Uh, I, I, I know the airline pilot thing. They're trying to make that uh, using the German wings disaster for to promote that. They, uh, the gun laws are all about, always bring up the mental issue, like the Milwaukee uh, victim was, had mental issues. Very interesting. Uh, lots more to come. So many calls. Hang on. 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.